Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spirit-Led Hope. My name is Glenn Erickson, and in this episode, we're looking at the big picture of experiencing God. Before we get started, I apologize if my voice sounds a little raspy in this episode. I'm having some allergy issues as I record, but let's give it a go. In previous episodes, we've looked at how the Holy Spirit transforms us through the fruit of the Spirit to have the character of Jesus. We've also looked at gifts of the Spirit that help us to do the things that Jesus did. Before we continue looking more at gifts of the Spirit, I want to step back and take a look at the experiential nature of Christianity. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that life with God is meant to be more than just an intellectual exercise. Life with God is meant to be experienced as much as we should and must be intellectual about God. That will only get us so far. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that. When I was about 19 or 20 years old, I went on a winter hike in the Cascade Mountains. I started hiking when I was about 13, and I had read a lot of books and articles about safety in the mountains. When I came to a large, sloped, snow-covered area, I did a quick assessment for avalanche danger. Based on everything I'd read, I determined it was a low-risk region. So I started hiking across it. I was about in the middle of the snowfield when I heard this odd sound. It was kind of like a snap, crackle, and pop. And I felt the snow under me begin to move. A section of the snow, probably about an acre in size, began moving as a solid sheet down the slope. I was standing in the middle, and it was like riding a giant snowboard or surfboard. I knew from my studies what had happened. There must have been a deeper layer of snow that had temporarily melted and then glazed over with another layer of snow falling on top of it. My weight was all it took to start the top layer of snow sliding down the hill on the sheet of ice below it. I had read all about this, but the intellectual understanding did not do the experience justice. The books never said how much fun it could be surfing down the slope. Nor did the books describe the adrenaline rush that I experienced from terror as the speed became faster and I heard grinding and crunching sounds. I looked down slope and I could see the sheet of snow was sliding into a cluster of trees. The trees were slicing the slab of snow into large chunks that were flipping up and crashing against the trees and each other. From my studies, I knew that those chunks of snow weighed hundreds of pounds apiece, and it would not be a good thing for me to be tossed in with them. If I slid past the first row of trees, I knew I would be in serious trouble. All of this was happening in seconds, and I knew I had to do something very quickly. So I did the only logical thing. In fact, I did what any of you would have done in the same situation. I lined myself up for a collision with one of the biggest trees. Sometimes our options are limited. As I got closer to the tree, I dropped to my bottom and pointed my feet at the tree to let my legs be like a shock absorber. My idea 
was that if I stopped myself at the tree and kept up on top of the snow, the rest of the snow sheet would slide underneath me. The books wisely say to do your best to keep on top of the snow. I hit that tree fast and I hit that tree hard. My legs buckled and my knees came up to my chest and it knocked the wind out of me. There was a sickening moment when I felt the weight of the snow driving me into the tree and I wondered if I was going to be okay. And then suddenly I popped up on top of the snow and the rest went under me just like I'd hoped. There I was sitting on the snow, all safe and sound. My adrenaline was still spiking. Even though the books helped me know what was going on, and those books did give me ideas, there was nothing in them that could equal the experience. Nothing in those books told me that when I stood up, I would have several pounds of snow packed into my pants, and I'd have to strip down to get it out. My point here is that I had just had an experience. Not only can I tell you intellectually about the dangers of layers of snow in winter, but I can tell you with authority because I experienced it. And this, I think, should be our Christian walk. It's one thing to know about God, to read the Bible or recite verses, Those are good things that we should and really must do. But to have an experience with God, to be present with Him, to experience His love, experience His power, His miracles, to experience His justice, mercy, and goodness, that, that changes everything. Your life will change when you experience God And you have much greater authority when you talk about God. Your friends, your neighbors, your enemies, they don't look to see how much you know about God. They want to know if your experience with God changes how you live. They look to see what your life is like in the middle of success and failure. How do you handle tragedy like cancer or death? How do you handle a promotion and the added responsibility that comes with it? Are you a joyful person? Do you have a hot temper? Are you helpful? What comes out of your mouth when you have your fourth flat tire in a week? And yes, that happened to me. Our experiences with God shape us and help determine how we live our lives. And people are watching. Maybe the idea of experiencing God is new to you. Sometimes we look in the Bible and we think of experiences with God as specific, dramatic moments or a mystical time. Maybe something like Moses and the burning bush or the apostle John and his revelation. The good news is that we don't need these types of events to experience God, although we may have them. There are many ways we experience God. We can experience God when we read our Bibles or pray or worship in private, but there are other ways we don't often think about. In this episode, I want to quickly give you four ways that have helped me experience God that are readily available to 
everyone. Hopefully, many of you will relate to what I'm saying. And if you've listened to the previous episodes, we've already talked some about them. The first way of experiencing God I want to talk about is freedom through confession of sins. Our personal journey with Jesus gets intimate when we accept that each one of us has done things that we shouldn't have done. In fact, our entry into the family of God with the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit cannot take place until we admit that we've sinned and look to Jesus for forgiveness. There's a well-known verse in 1 John 1.9 that says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we grasp the truth of this verse, we become a people quick to confess our sins to God. If you have ever confessed your sins to God, then you have experienced God working in your life as he freed you from guilt and shame. Experiencing God this way is ongoing because we still sin and we still need to confess. If you're listening to this episode and have never confessed your sins to God, then I encourage you not to wait. There is freedom available for you. Another way we experience God is through relationship with other disciples of Jesus. This may not seem obvious, but there is something that happens when followers of Jesus come together. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 18.20, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. When we gather, somehow Jesus is with us in a different way. One of the ways I experience this is through worship. I make private worship something I do frequently throughout the day. But as much as I am blessed by private worship, I cannot duplicate what I experience when I worship with others. There's a depth and majesty to it that is more than just the extra voices. It's the presence of Jesus somehow manifested when we come together. I trust that many of you have experienced the same thing and understand what I'm saying. The presence of Jesus is with us whenever and wherever we meet with other disciples. We could be meeting over a cup of coffee, lunch, taking a walk, or serving others as part of a team. When we come together, especially when we make ourselves vulnerable in more than a superficial relationship, we then give to each other and we receive from each other. As we share our thoughts and lives, Jesus is right in the middle and he helps build us up. Now, if you're an introvert, that may not sound very pleasant because you may need to talk. Or if you're an extrovert, you may need to stop talking. When it comes to relationships, face it, we all have some form of dysfunction. But as my friend Jim said, God does not bow to our dysfunctions. Because Jesus is with us when we meet, we don't have to deal with those dysfunctions alone. Let's make sure that we are a people who experience God by having relationships with other disciples of Jesus. The third way we can experience God is through the transformation to have the character of Jesus. If you have ever worked in a corporation that has classes, it is highly likely 
that at some point you will take a class about dealing with change. Studies have shown that people don't like to change. And yet, one of the greatest ways we can experience God is to embrace change by allowing Him to transform our lives so that we take on the character of Jesus. We do this by growing in the fruit of the Spirit. Because we've already had several episodes about the fruit of the Spirit, I'm not going to go into detail here. If this is new to you, please go back and listen to the first episodes of this podcast. I can promise you that as you commit yourself to become more like Jesus, to have his character, you will experience God. We know this because the transformation process can only take place as we allow the Holy Spirit to reveal areas in our lives that need transformation. And then we submit ourselves and work with the Holy Spirit to see that transformation come about. Transformation takes the active presence of God to accomplish the change. This is an identifiable experience with God. The fourth and final way to experience God we're going to talk about in this episode is that we experience God by participating with Him. Christians often talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul said it this way, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Think about that. We represent Jesus doing what he did. We know God's heart is to save everyone. And we get the privilege of partnering and participating with God to show Jesus to the world around us. That's amazing. Some of our most Profound experiences with God will come when we serve as his ambassadors. It's in those moments of participating with God to show others the love, the goodness, the kindness, and the power of Jesus that we often experience his presence. Participating with God can take many forms. If God stirs you to be generous, be generous. If you feel led to help in your local church, or to help a stranger, then do it. Functioning in gifts of the Spirit is another way that we participate with God. Every Christian has a unique calling and function in the body of Christ. And you will notice that participating with God involves both our natural skills and talents and the supernatural ability of the Holy Spirit. When we choose to be God's ambassador, we get to see firsthand and experience what he does. To recap, here are four simple ways to experience God. One, freedom through confession of sins. Two, relationship with other disciples of Jesus. Three, transformation to have the character of Jesus. And four, participating with God. There is nothing complicated about these, but I know that sometimes these things may not come naturally. So I'm going to give you a way to automatically do these four things without even thinking about it. It's simple. You ready? Here's a secret that is not really a secret. Put Jesus first. Put Jesus first. 
I want to be clear about this. Jesus is already first. He spoke the universe into existence. But when I say to put Jesus first, it's the choice we make to acknowledge that Jesus knows what is best for us. It's an understanding that when we put Jesus first, everything else, it could be our family, our job, our ability to serve him, whatever. If we put Jesus first, everything else will be taken care of. It's a decision to cooperate fully with God and not rebel against God. If you put Jesus first, you gratefully accept his sacrifice on the cross and are quick to confess your sins. If you put Jesus first, then you will love his family and will engage with other disciples of Jesus. If you put Jesus first, you want his character. So you allow the Holy Spirit to transform you. If you put Jesus first, you will be his ambassador and you'll do his work in his love and in his power with his gifts. The decision to put Jesus first is probably the most personal decision anyone can make. For myself, I find that there are times when I thought I put Jesus first, only to find that I had only put him first in some areas. Or I find that sometimes I regress a bit and find places where Jesus used to be first, but now he's second or third or or something else. The good news is that Jesus loves us and he's patient and he's kind and he knows everything we struggle with. Be encouraged today that no matter what your past includes, no matter what you're facing in the present, God has an exciting future for you that is more than just theory. God has an experiential relationship with him ready for you. I'm excited for you as you put Jesus first. In our next episode, we are going to continue talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look specifically at the word of knowledge. If you have comments, suggestions, or questions, please email me at glenn with two N's at spiritledhope.com or simply use the contact form at spiritledhope.com. I look forward to hearing from you. As we end this episode, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Until next episode, take care.